Hey guys, Pastor Epi here. Just want to give you a devotional thought today, especially as we get closer to Christmas. I know some of you have been enjoying the Christmas lights out there, and sometimes you see those traditional manger scenes. You know what I'm talking about, where you have this little barn-looking thing with Mary and Joseph looking all serene and peaceful as they gaze down to the squeaky clean little baby Jesus. And then you have that star on top, and the, the animals are all in order, which is crazy. And then you have these you know, wise men that have funky-looking hats, but they bring their, their gifts to the baby Jesus. But our focus for our devotional thought today is on those other characters in that manger scene, and it's the shepherds. You see, once again, in our manger scene, these shepherds look pretty serene and respectful. But look at this, clean. And everyone, once again, is fixated upon the sweet baby Jesus. But as you open up your Bible to Luke chapter 2, we're going to go over that scenario with the shepherds. Because traditionally speaking, shepherds were not respected back then. They weren't trusted. These guys were the low bottom of the totem pole of society, where the, even their testimony in court was not taken because you can never trust a shepherd. Spiritually, you know, no one really trusted or went to these guys for advice spiritually because to be with your sheep, a good shepherd will always be with that flock, protecting it from lions and tigers and bears, oh my. And so you never really have time to go to synagogue or to study Torah because you are with the sheep. And lastly, nobody really wanted to be around these guys because, man, they worked hard and they're constantly around these sheep. And what do sheep do? Sheep do what sheep do and sheep do. You know, and so being around, you know, sheep poop everywhere you go. Can you imagine how their feet would be so dirty from the mud or from the dirt or from the feces? How their robes would be dirty and sweaty from being out in the sun all day. And as we get to Luke chapter 2, we read the account where Mary and Joseph went down to Bethlehem for the census where everyone had to be counted. And we know through scripture, it says that there was no room for them at the inn. And so what we know right now is that there is a lot of people in Bethlehem. And so at this time as well, as you look at chapter 2, starting in verse 8, you read that there are shepherds in the fields. Now, according to the NIV translation, it says that they are living in the fields. Now, what's the difference? Well, once again, if you're isolated from community, if you're isolated even from a spiritual community, and you're not trusted, and, and, and people give you the eye whenever you come close, and all you are close by is, is these sheep, how would you feel? What would you think? Being isolated and alone. And it's at night that we read in the scriptures that here these shepherds are, and, and God would send an angel to come in the middle of the night. And what I love about this, in verse 9 it says, And the angel of the Lord appeared. Now, look at this. This is going to happen four times in our little devotional time. I'm going to call it the boom factor. Because in the Greek, which this was written in originally, it has a thing called the aorist tense. And that means kind of like a flip and a switch where it's dark and boom, it's night. And so here these shepherds are in the middle of a field with all these sheep isolated from everybody else. And boom, an angel arrives in the middle of the night. And these guys were freaked out because 
from your, if you look at your Bible, the last book in the Old Testament is called Malachi. I know some of you are thinking, it's Malachi. No, 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 it's Malachi. And so 400 years from the time Malachi ends to this incident of silence. 400 years of not hearing testimonies of God's work, of not seeing stuff happen, not hearing testimony, but just silence. 400 years. And now, out of nowhere, Bethlehem of all the places comes an angel and he says, fear not for I have good news of great joy that will be for all the people. This news that I have to share for you is going to give you great joy. What's important to notate right here is that joy is different than happiness. Happiness is a fleeting emotion that comes and can go, you know, with a matter of seconds. But joy is deep-seated and rooted, something that you can hold on to forever. And this angel says, I have such a good message that it will implant a seed in you that you will hold on to this and have joy the rest of your lives. And not only for you, but for all who hear this message. And then you get to the next verse, verse 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you, for you will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Real quick, what this angel is telling these shepherds is, I have a great message that today the promise is fulfilled from Genesis chapter 3 verse 15, where God had promised a Savior, a Messiah, that he is born today. And you guys, the ones that nobody else trusts, the ones that nobody else wants to be around or talk to or anything like that, the ones that are least thought of, you guys are going to find him. And I'm going to send you on a holy scavenger hunt. And he says, you have two clues. Number one, he's a baby. Check. Wrapped in swaddling cloths. Check. But lying in a manger. Hold up, what? Like, it's kind of like today, if I put it in today's context, you're gonna find a baby, check, in diapers. Okay, like you're imagining that he's gonna be in a hospital or something. But instead, this, this angel says, you're gonna find him in a feeding trough where animals eat their food. So kind of like a dirty place, a, a smelly place as well. And before these shepherds can overthink it or try to rationalize it, once again, in that aorist tense, that, that boom factor happens because in verse 13 it says, boom, and then suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is well pleased. Now look at this. Look how crazy this is. You see, God allowed silence to be broken after 400 years where this amazing worship service would occur, not at the audience for someone at the temple, not for the high priest of the day, not even in Jerusalem. But this happened in a place called Bethlehem. And the audience were unqualified, unknown, unseen, no title in their name, shepherds. 
where they were able to look up and see a heavenly host praising and worshiping God. Can you imagine being in their sandals? What would go through your mind thinking, I am unworthy to see this. I am unworthy to be a part of this. And I kind of wonder if there was a shepherd in there that found his identity in what he did, that found his identity in what the community had called him. But yet here he is unworthy and yet in the presence of holy angels worshiping God set on a journey and invited to a journey, not reserved for the high priest once again or the religious elite, but reserved for them. So you look at verse uh, 15 where it says, and when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, here's the boom factor once again, let us go over to Bethlehem. Boom, like, like, let's, guys, we got to do this. And once again, as good shepherds, you have to be around your sheep. And so I don't know what that conversation looked like, whether they were saying, all right, Bob, you're going to stay with the sheep. We're going to go. Or, or maybe they try to rationalize saying, hey, what if we all go as fast as we can and we come back, we'll be with our sheep, everything will be fine. I don't know what happened. But all I know is what scripture says is we got to go. And so you, can, you, you finish the rest of that verse in, in verse 16. And they went with haste. Now, I know a lot of your translations might continue on that verse, right? Where mine, it says, and they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph. But the thing is, guys, there was time between those words. And they went with haste. The, the message translation says, running and they ran. How long did they run? How long did they search high and low in this holy scavenger hunt for a baby in swaddling clothes lying in a manger? Now, can you see them in that holy imagination of yours as they are climbing fences, looking around, you know, trying to, you know, say, hey, do you anything over there? No, I don't see anything. Okay, hey, keep going that way. And maybe the neighbors at the time were being awoken by these shepherds, like, why are these shepherds going crazy? Like, what are they doing in my backyard? Get the pitchfork. Like, I don't know. But these guys were running, sweaty, tired, thinking, did we hear right? Did we see right? Like, does this keep going? And they're trying to encourage each other as they're going throughout all Bethlehem with so many people that they normally would, wouldn't have any interaction with. But finally, finally, they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they had made known the saying that had been told to them concerning the child. And all who had heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. So these shepherds, they're searching high and low, and I don't know how long it took to find the baby Jesus. Maybe it took 10 minutes. Maybe it took an hour. But in my imagination, I see these guys finally finding Mary and Joseph. And I see Mary exhausted because she didn't have our modern day you know, medicine where she didn't get an epidural. I'm telling you, man, when my wife gave birth, she was like, hook me up. And even after she got that medication, she looked exhausted. 
Now, can you imagine Mary once again giving birth? How long was the labor? I don't know. We just got done with a long road trip and, ah, uh, you know, I imagine her sweaty and tired, just like too exhausted. And here Joseph is like, oh my gosh, this is unbelievable. And, and then here come these shepherds panting, saying, I found him. Guys, guys, I found him. Oh gosh. Hey, we can explain. And they start to explain. And they start to testify what they've seen and what they have heard. And Mary, in her exhaustion, she, she took a keen ear to the testimony of the shepherds because, once again, Mary was a teenager at the time, betrothed or engaged. And to be pregnant before marriage, man, she could be killed, especially from someone who is not her husband. But she still said it in the book of Luke, Lord, let it be unto me as it is according to your word. Like, Lord, I'm willing to be courageous. I'm willing to be brave. I'm willing to live this life that you have called me to. And to hear the testimony of these shepherds, bringing that confirmation, bringing that encouragement saying, okay, I didn't hear wrong. Okay, I'm not going crazy. But to hear how these guys were saying, these angels came up and they sang this song. It says that Mary treasured these words into her heart. And I kind of think of Smeagol in my mind. How Smeagol loved his precious ring. But I kind of wonder if Mary held on to those words and held on to that testimony. And she, she treasured it. She kept it. Like It meant so much to her, especially on the day that she saw her son crucified on a cross. Where she can lose all hope. Where she can lose all faith. Where she can lose her confidence in God. But she brought up that treasure of the testimony of these shepherds and she said, everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. But if you look at the end of verse 19, she pondered these things in her heart and then you get to verse 20 and you realize this, and the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. Now, you remember that boom factor? There's four of them. Boom, an angel appears. Boom, the multitude come and they sing. Boom, these shepherds talk to each other. We gotta go. And then boom, they ran. But as you get to verse 20, there is no boom meaning there was no rush, there was no hurry. That as the shepherds are sharing with Mary and Joseph and all who are there, they took their time. And once again, I don't know how long it took between the time of sharing their testimony and them leaving to return. But I imagine it might've been 10 to 15 minutes, if not more. And I try to step into the sandals of these shepherds and once again, thinking and trying to feel what, what, what they may be feeling. Once again, ostracized from their community, looked down upon by everyone else. And yet you have the front row seat to see God in the flesh, to see the promise of God right before your eyes. All I can think is if I was Bob the shepherd in that scene, I'd be like, hey, hey, Mary, do you mind if I just... If I just stand in this corner and I just, I, I just hang out for a couple minutes, 
Like, I feel like I'm not even that worthy. And, and maybe there's another shepherd out in the cave like, man, I am not even worthy to see him, to be around him. But I kind of wonder if there was a shepherd who felt unqualified, who felt his, his, his social status, but yet had the courage to ask Mary, Can I hold them? What would that look like? What would that sounded like? Like, what if Mary said yes? And, and you see this guy who is dirty and dingy and has sheep do on his robe and he's sweaty and the last person you would imagine asking for this experience. And I imagine him picking up the baby Jesus very carefully hearing the baby Jesus coo and, and, and cry and whatever babies do giggle and holding them and, and maybe the shepherd was bouncing them what would go through the mind of the shepherd because if I try to step in his feet as well I can imagine just fixating my eyes on the baby Jesus saying I know I'm the last one who should be qualified to have this interaction with you but I thank you so much that I am willing and able to have this opportunity and I want to burn every single moment in my head that if someone says anything else if someone reminds me of my social status, I will be reminded of the opportunity that the King of Kings gave me. That the creator of this whole entire world, that he gave me this opportunity to hold the Messiah in my arms. Because this Messiah is going to redeem me. He's going to free me. He's going to give me life. This child here is the embodiment of the promise of God for me, for my friends, for my family, and for the rest of humankind throughout the whole entire existence of humanity. What a holy moment. What a holy sight. I don't know how long that might have lasted, if it even happened. But what we see in scripture is that these guys left differently when they came in because you see that they were praising and worshiping God these guys who may have been ostracized from their religious community ostracized from their community these guys are praising and worshiping God and going back to where they came from to the fields and I kind of wonder you know the behind the scenes if they continue to testify of all they have seen and heard throughout the rest of their lives and I wonder if they followed the life of Jesus as he became a man and he, he proclaimed the kingdom of God and ultimately as he was crucified I wonder if these shepherds remembered the devotional thought for you today is this number one you may feel unworthy you may feel as if you're the last person that this present is for, but I gotta tell you that the name tag on Jesus's toe in that manger, as it says in the scriptures, it says for you. You are unworthy, you are the last one on earth who should get this gift, God gave it to you. It's by his grace and his kindness that he does so. Number two, I wanna encourage you, especially as you're so busy in the season of 
2020 and also because of Christmas, I wanna encourage you to take your time. As you reflect upon the manger, maybe you may share this story with your kids one day, the Christmas story, the, the reason for the season, that you can actually just be in the presence of God and be reminded that he loves you so much that he gave his only son for you and that he desires to have this relationship with you. And I hope that today that you'll say, yes, God, I received this gift. Would you help me to seek that relationship with you, to walk with you, to talk with you, and to tune my ear to your voice that as I read scripture and as I'm in the community with the church, as I'm with my brothers and sisters in the Lord, Father, would you allow me to hear your voice and know your voice in such a way that's the voice of my best friend and not the voice of a stranger. And lastly is this, I hope that after you have this experience of rem remembering the reason for this season, Christmas, that as you go back to your work or you go back to your field, you go back to wherever you need to go every single day, that you too will go back praising and worshiping God for all that you have seen and all that you have heard. Amen. God bless you. Merry Christmas. Isn't God good? See you guys later.